Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Hi, you've tuned in to Profits and Purpose, the podcast of Colorado Business Roundtable, and I'm Debbie Brown, the president of the Roundtable. And today I'm excited to kick off a series that we're doing specifically around Profits and Purpose in conjunction with our event coming up, um, View from the Top, where we're going to interview uh, top CEOs of nonprofits in Colorado and learn more about the critical work they're doing not only in the state um, with fulfilling their own mission, but the ways that we all interconnect the business community and the nonprofit community. And today I'm welcoming Dave Schunk, President and CEO of Volunteers of America Colorado. And Dave is also a new board member for Colorado Business Roundtable. So welcome, Dave. Well, hello, Debbie, and thank you. It's great to be here. It's, it's great to have you on. And I know when you and I first had lunch many months ago, Felt a real affinity towards your you and your mission and your leadership, and especially interesting that you come out of such an incredible private sector background, and yet had have decided at this time in your career to jump into how you can make a difference as a nonprofit CEO. So take me back to your career, a little bit more about you and how you ended up in the position you are today. I remember that conversation well, and I kind of chuckled because I think one of the first things I told you is I'm an avowed capitalist. And you're like, but you're in the nonprofit (laughs) sector. And I'll come back to that. But certainly the way I look at it and the way I've seen it, when you look at the arc of history, um, the fact that we have this amazing country that we have and this amazing economy, and that we're the most charitable nation in the world, I think all drives from the fact that we do, uh, producing a profit can uh, produce so much good, so much uh, accomplishment. Um, but I'll go, I'll come back to that. So uh, yeah, I've been uh, for-profit. I started out in banking. Uh, it doesn't get more for-profit than that. Um, I was at United Banks of Colorado back in the 80s, worked for some wonderful people and alongside some wonderful people. One of them, Brad Miley, who's the CEO of the Denver Rescue Mission, became a mentor of mine. Uh, and that led me back into the, or into the nonprofit space. But after banking, I was in uh, technology for a number of years. I actually worked for uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, here in uh, Denver. Not many people knew that he was in Denver, actually Inglewood. Worked for him for three years, a marvelous experience. He asked me to go with him to Cupertino and Apple. I said no. I, I sometimes wonder about that in, in the long <laughs> that's run. Quite a, that's quite did. a fork in the road decision. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, anyway, I stayed in, I stayed in technology for a while, ended up in doing some private equity, um, had, had some success and also had some uh, spectacular failures in the private equity space. And I think through that, though, I learned, I, through my life anyway, I've learned more in my failure than I have in my success. And um, I think through that process, uh, I was still searching. I enjoyed what I did. I loved it. But I also... Uh, my wife and I have uh, a part of a, we're part of a faith community, and it's always been important for us to merge our faith with what we do. To one of the uh, verses, one of my life verses is to live a life worthy of my calling. And I just believe that where I was being called back to was a space where I could uh, utilize uh, my business expertise and my uh, experiences in the for-profit world to help out a worthy uh, nonprofit such as Volunteers of America. And so. Uh, that journey in 2005 started with being on the asked to be on the board with the Denver Rescue Mission. There, I saw firsthand how business and 
nonprofits work together to help those in need. Uh, I saw life transformation. I would see amazing things happen. And I one time back in uh, 2000, uh, well, I guess it was about 2009, I gave the commencement speech at the University of Denver for the MBA program. And afterward, and I talked about the Denver Rescue Mission. And afterwards, a young lady came up to me and she said, I just want you to know that you saved my dad's life. And I just really appreciate that. And I just was like, oh, that's so great. That's wonderful. Where is he now? And she said to me with just a very emotional space with her right at that point, um, well, he's he died. And I said, I don't understand. It seems like we failed. And she said, no, you don't understand. You gave me a season with my dad and that's what I needed. And he, in that time, he breathed into me life and love and sustain, just being able to sustain. And that time I had with him will always be with me. And it was a gift. And so, yes, you saved my dad's life. And I, I knew at that moment I was hooked on uh, helping um, people transform their lives. And so from the from being on the board of the Denver Rescue Mission, I was asked to be the CFO. I stopped my private equity stuff and some of the other uh, businesses that I owned, uh, sold those and started this life. And um, while there's some adjustments that needed to be made in my own personal life and ec- economics, it's been the most worthy thing I've ever done. I've always said the um, stock options aren't so great in the nonprofit space, but the eternal options are pretty good. <laughs> wow. And I can't imagine what that story must have meant having that young woman come up to you. Oh, just telling you about that. Well, I'm, I'm a financial guy by background. And so it was, you know, I always look in ones and zeros, success and failure, you know, black and white, whatever it might be. And so uh, when this came up, she explained to me and I'm like, you know, data doesn't always, uh, analytical data doesn't always tell the true story. And to get behind the numbers a little bit, that's where the action is. Well, and it sounds like, you know, your first your first touch then was a CFO of the Denver Rescue Mission. And to, and to me, that takes advantage of your banking skills. Like you said, your private equity skills, it's a numbers, you know, trying to add support. What led you then to the CEO position, which probably then you had to tap into other skills from your private sector as well, you know, not just the numbers, but the leadership role, you know, uh, being led perhaps by a board, you know, all those other skills that you had to put in place. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was uh, really a surprise to me. I wasn't looking very content there, but one day the CEO came down the hallway and said, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm being nudged by a higher power. My good friends at Volunteers of America looking for a new CEO after a, a legendary 35-year CEO was retiring. Her name is Diana and a mentor of mine today. And he said, why don't you take a run at it? And I said, you're just trying to get rid of me, aren't you? And he said, well, maybe. No, I mean, it was just a great opportunity and went through the interview process. And I didn't, I knew very little about Volunteers of America at the time. And now it's just an amazing story here, what VOA does. And so when I was uh, given the opportunity now, almost three years ago, uh, it's been great. And I have had to call on a lot of my private, uh, my past experience. I was a CEO. I have been a CEO before for smaller businesses, but Volunteers of America is a uh, 40 million plus budget uh, operation. We're statewide. We're in 42 locations. We have over 408 employees and we serve over 150,000 Coloradoans every year. And, um, you know, the, the scope of that and the breadth of that. And every day I get, um, I just get, uh, I, I learn of stories of transformation and opportunity and of life. And it just renews you tremendously. Tell me more about that, Dave. As you said, I when I first um, heard about it too, I didn't realize the scope, the scope and scale 
of volunteers um, of America and, and kind of what you're dealing with every day. But tell me more about your mission. What do you all do? Um, you know, I think, first of all, housing and food, but give me a sense of the mission, because I have a feeling it's bigger than people even realize all the different lives you touch in all the different arenas. Debbie, that's a very insightful question. It's perfect. Uh, we, uh, we exist to identify and serve the basic needs of Coloradans. We meet people exactly where we're at. And so, uh, but we don't stop there. So we, we do provide shelter. We provide food. And um, for example, uh, for shelter, we, we provide the whole spectrum from basic shelter, emergency shelter, getting people off the streets. And we're really, our focus there is on the underserved population. So we primarily serve uh, seniors and women and uh, folks with uh, um, you know, mental or even physical uh, issues that they're dealing with. And so that's what we're really focused on shelter, but really our primary focus in housing is on what we call rapid rehousing and our permanent affordable housing. So we're one of the state's largest affordable housing providers. And we look at shelter. So that, that I just talked about. So last night, for example, about 4,000 Colorado and stayed with us in various stages of that, of that continuum, that housing continuum. But then we also combine that with providing food, food services, primarily to seniors through our Meals on Wheels program. Uh, we do about a million meals a year at, through Meals on Wheels, different congregate sites, through our food banks that we have uh, throughout the state. And those two basic operations really provide the foundation, if you will, for our mission, which is what you asked initially. And so in that mission now, it really basically is to meet people at their basic point of need, to build the foundation of trust by providing those basic services. Think of Maslow's hierarchy. And from that, we transform lives by connection, by, con uh, by relationship building, and by coming alongside and navigating through life, really those three areas. And on the connection piece, one of the things that's in our name, volunteers, we just believe so much in the concept and the idea of people going over and above a requirement by doing it um, on their own volition to come alongside uh, folks in the community and, and lift them up. It's a definitely a hand up, not a hand out. And so that part of it is really important to us. And that engagement, we think, is where uh, life transformation happens. We say often here, a meal is a chance at a relationship, and a relationship is a chance at a transformed life. Um, that's so beautiful, because I think you're right as far as the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If people are hungry and they don't have a place to stay, you know, that's top of mind. They can't think about probably employment, stability, you know, education for their children if their basic needs aren't being met. So that makes me think, too, of, of COVID, of course, uh, has been the disruptor that nobody saw coming in terms of health, um, health pandemic, but of course, the economic disruption that runs parallel to that. And I think about Colorado as having a very uneven recovery. Some sectors are thriving during the pandemic in, in some ways because their services might be needed more than ever in terms of, um, you know, you think about the need for broadband. You know, they've had to oh, yeah. really hustle and get more broadband put in place, for example, for um, a quality of access in schools. But then there are other pockets of Colorado um, businesses or with people where they're being left behind in terms of recovery. And you're serving perhaps some of those populations. So what, what has COVID been like for the folks that you're serving? Yeah, it's, we're in the people business, so it hit us hard. Um, and so what we said, we were deemed an essential business, which I was very thankful. 
And we just kept, we worked with our agencies, our, our governmental partners and our private funders to say, we're not going to stop engaging one-on-one -on -one with people, but we are going to change how we engage with people. And we did that. So we went to socially distanced engagements. For example, Meals and Wheels, I, I like to say that we we didn't become Dine and Dash, but we did, we did in fact, uh, would bring our meal to the outside location. And when the, when our senior, when our, our precious client came to the door, we would figure out ways to get the food to them where we could stay socially distanced and keep them safe. And it was the same with our, our uh, early childhood education center in, in Westwood. Uh, schools got closed down by, by decree. And so we, ex we took that opportunity and we converted that into a food distribution site food scarcity food insecurity went up dramatically especially in the westwood area and so our teachers became actually food distributors but then they are teachers after all they also took opportunities in drive-by teaching that's what i called it people would show up in their cars they'd get a box of food and then uh, homework assignments would be handed out to the young preschoolers at the same time and then next week as they'd come by, they'd turn that in. And so school still happened. It was just in a little bit different way, but we just pivoted like so many others did here in Colorado. Yeah, it's interesting that disruption um, causes so much heartache, so many problems, but I also think about disruption leading to opportunity. Oh, it did, big time. Yeah, yeah. you saw that happen too. You know, you know, leaders have to step up and think about things differently and quickly and, you know, still fulfill your mission. We, we became closer as an entity. When you're in 42 locations throughout the state, it was hard for me pre-pandemic to get to see everybody. We're now technologically, we invested significantly. We already were, but we now use Zoom daily. And um, uh, we, we have found a closeness now by doing virtual town halls. Uh, our employees have all commented on that and our clients have as well. So it's been there's, there's been some good that's come from it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, and Dave, one of the things, you know, you and I talk about sometimes with the business roundtable is certainly policy because we spend a lot of time working on that. In particular, people probably think about, okay, policies that help for-profit businesses in terms of helping some of these enterprises grow and thrive, potentially decide to grow, you know, move a headquarters here, move more people here, and how the policy environment is sometimes at play in those decisions for for-profit companies. I'm curious too, you know, what are your biggest opportunities or challenges in terms of policies that perhaps um, help help your organization or hurt your organization as you're trying to fulfill your mission? Great question. And here's the answer, right? And this is the good news. The same policy issues we're dealing with are the same for the business community. We have the same challenges. So for us, and I know that some of my peers in this space may not agree with me, but in my opinion, uh, less regulation, um, more uh, uh, policies that favor work, and the dignity of work, they help us tremendously. And I know they help the business community because I was there. And so if uh, we could have welfare policies that provide work engagement and more work opportunities, I mean, that's one of the biggest determinants of, of getting people out of the cycle of poverty is work. And we were made to work and we bring great dignity and satisfaction. So if we can get that going. We can also, if we can also get our tax code uh, and policies to drive to get regulation out of the way, to get more profitability happening, because the good people of Colorado, the good business owners, push that back into causes like Volunteers of America. That'd be tremendous. And final thing, Debbie, just to end, uh, we need more favorable policy in education, such as school choice. 
Uh, we need more investment in um, uh, families and family formation. That's a big determinant of success. And we need to focus on fathers. Fathers need that support and that encouragement to stay with their family and to be there for them and to be there for their children. We see that happen. We will see a fundamental shift in homelessness uh, and a huge reduction in, in poverty cycles and in, uh, and in pop- populations that uh, are being underserved. Uh, I, I love all that, Dave. And I'd be curious, too, we're, we're in conversations, of course, with the governor's team, with members of Congress, in particular around the one-time transformational stimulus that's coming to Colorado. And there's a lot of conversations in play in the upcoming months on how to best serve Coloradans in terms of housing and some of these policies. And I suspect even tax policy will be thrown in. You know, how do we, how do we understand, you know, you and I understand that incentives matter. How do we incentivize the right things and not incentivize the wrong things? But um, it's great to have you as part of those conversations. What would you tell the business community on how they can be helpful to you in in maybe perhaps joining forces on some of these policy issues or how they can be helpful to your organization? Yeah. So first off, just want to say, make sure everyone hears this. The Colorado business community is amazing. I've been been doing this for a long time now. And even before I got into this space, uh, I just saw so much giving back and voluntarily so. So that's good. But what else they can do, and, and again, they've been very effective there, is that collaboration that occurs and then the advocacy. The advocacy and the connections to governmental uh, sources, to the governor, to the mayor, those kind of things, I think are huge. And then I think it's working at grassroots level, school boards and things like that to, to really push education back to the basics. Uh, you and I talked about that, I know, several times. But to get education back to reading, writing, arithmetic, I mean, for me, just like for businesses, finding uh, young people that can read, write, articulate, critically critically think, I think those are the things that we're sometimes missing. And that if the business community can help us advocate for that, that'd be fantastic. It More than they already have, and they are doing a good job. Well, and I think even that intersection of what you were talking about initially with profits and purpose, to some degree, the event that we're going to have um, in about a month, talking about that issue from the lens of the nonprofit CEO, I don't know that a lot of people understand that profits and purpose go hand in hand. You know, profits isn't inherently evil. You know, purpose isn't the only thing. You know, there's sort of this interconnectivity. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know that, but I think in, in some ways it feels sort of counterculture to some degree, which is why we're having the conversation. I said so well said. I mean, I, I look at it like think about it like a circle, right? The circle of life. Well, this is like the circle of whatever you want to call it, profits and purpose. But profits enable purpose. We can't do the purpose. We can't make these good things happen without some kind of engine funding that. And yes, I know profits is, profitability has gotten a bad name of years. And I do think there should be some boundaries as we think about capitalism. There should be some boundaries and 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 well enforced boundaries, right? Um, and we go that could be. A long discussion, but <laughs> absolutely. But but there's so much good, as I said at the outset, that pro- that profitability is done, and in, and I think capitalism and profits take the best of self interest and the best of greed and apply it to good purpose. And uh, with that, when we now see more healthier communities, healthier folks, we see uh, young people and others working on their careers and in a stable environment, and that now feeds right back into the business community for what higher profits which then circle back in and we have a growing thing. And again, the greatest demonstration of that, the greatest example throughout the arc of history has been the United States. And I just don't know, again, flawed in many ways, but I just don't understand why 
that more people don't see that, that the engine to um, our charitable nature, helping others, and the reason we're so much different than any other nation is primarily that and the freedom that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, on that note, I just want to thank you, Dave, for your time. Thank you for all that you do in the community. I mean, to hear you talk about transform lives, I wish we had more time too, to, you know, hear about different stories of how you've helped um, Coloradans who really need a hand up and need some of those support services to find their American dream. But I'm excited that you're going to share with our audience um, pretty soon with kind of this robust conversation. Thanks again so much for your time and joining me today. I could talk to you all day. Thank you, Debbie. This has been a great. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Looking forward to the 23rd. It'll be great. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us today. This has been a conversation with Dave Shuck, uh, Volunteers of America President and CEO, and a production of Colorado Business Roundtable. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.